Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. Amen. Praise God. Well, we're thankful to be here to see you all. And we've been doing a, a series called Life in the Spirit. And how many of you know, next Sunday is Pentecost. And, and on Pentecost Sunday, a whole bunch of people are going down to the big church festival. So we're trusting that there's going to be, the Holy Spirit is going to pour out his fire there. Um, but we're believing it's going to happen in this place too. And it does, it's not limited to, to Pentecost. It can happen anytime. Amen. So Father God, we thank you. We pray in the name of Jesus today, Lord for healthy souls and clear minds, Father God, that our minds would be clear, that there would be no distractions this morning, Father God. And we, Father, we pray that the desires of our heart today would be pure, Father God. We thank you that they would be pure towards you and towards your people and towards those who don't know you, Father God. We thank you, Father. We look to you this morning, Father, to overcome every attack of the enemy especially depression, especially discouragement, especially poor mental health, Lord God. And we thank you, Father God. We know that our Savior, Jesus, has won the victor's crown. And that, Father God, we... We too, Father God, we are, we are children of the Most High God, and we thank you for that victory this morning, Father God. So today, Lord, we thank you that by your Spirit you guide us into truths that we've not yet discovered, into revelations that the Holy Spirit has for us today. And we thank you, Father God, we just give this service over to you, Holy Spirit. We look to you for your leadership today. And we open our hearts and minds to the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wherever, wherever people gather together and wherever they honor the Holy Spirit, things happen that, that change and transforms people's lives. And we, we honor the Holy Spirit in this place today. So um, today, I want to speak about the, the title of this um, message is The Propelling Power of the Holy Spirit. And some of you might have heard people speak on a message called the propelling power of purpose before, but, but the, I, I couldn't think of a better title, and that's really what it's about, the propelling power of the Holy Spirit. And I, wanna, I'm, I was going to speak on the, on the gifts of the Spirit today, but I'm doing this instead. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to speak to someone here today through a story. There's a story in this, a testimony of a man's life. And I believe that that is going to help someone here today. So I just want to offer a little bit of context to emphasize how important it is for us to cultivate um, and to uh, a, a life in the spirit. All right. It's something that doesn't happen just by itself. It has to be worked on. And so we have to cultivate and lead our lives in the Spirit. And we do this for the purpose for which we were born again. Because we were born again for a purpose, amen? So it's not just like we're just, we just have to do this because we're Christians. There's a purpose behind living your life in the Spirit. And this past week, if anyone's seen the headlines, 55,000 jobs may be lost um, or at risk in the telecoms industry due to the escalation of artificial intelligence. 
uh, here, henceforth known as AI. Can I just say AI? AI. And so um, artificial intelligence is growing at a rate much faster than our governing government's ability to contain it or to regulate it or to harness it, okay? And the reason things need to be regulated is for safety and for protection of people's lives. And we have to understand the threat of unregulated technology and technology is advancing at a rapid rate. Would you agree with that? A couple of days after that, another headline appeared saying that the government better get to grips with AI and regulate its escalation and do it quickly. This is, this is how rapidly things are changing. And so this, we, God has given us creative minds. We're creative beings. We're amazing. We're amazing beings with, with logic and, and sense, I hope sense, and reasoning and all of this. And then you throw the Holy Spirit into it and we're, you're, you're a super person with the Holy Spirit. You have the superman living inside of you. And the technology created by human intellect, logic, and reasoning, it's creating, it's creating this kind of, I don't know what the right word is, maybe a vacuum or a void for millions of people to fall into. Another way of putting it is that people's lives are being um, made void by social change, rapid social change, and people feel powerless about what to do about it especially those who are more senior, can I say that, more mature people, but older people. And there's this, and there's this, there's this like um, vacuum. And, you know, I, I learned one thing in school, if it was only one thing, nature abhors a vacuum. Whenever there's a vacuum, something's going to fill it. Isn't that, isn't that true? And so we're talking about ordinary people. You think about the people around co-winning the three towns in Ayrshire, ordinary people going to be swallowed up in this tech vacuum that some people are going to embrace. Many people are going to embrace it, and they're going to flow with it to the eventual outcomes of wherever this technology takes people or whatever they do with it. But these emerging technologies are going to be very, very dominant in the world that we live in in the future. I don't know anyone who would disagree with that. We already see the evidence of that. And a lot of people's voices are not going to be heard. Where it's not, they're not going to be heard. And we, we've, we know this, that history teaches us that whenever um, uh, something is invented or something is developed in a system and there's no moral foundation, there's no boundaries, then that can, that can end up in destruction and chaos. Isn't that right? And so technology, science, human invention, all becomes very capable of corrupting society. Would you agree with that? And, you know, a lot of the stuff that is changing now in, in our world, social change and technological change, it's being delivered by stealth. It's very stealthy. It's coming in and it's like happening so rapidly. It's like, oh, last week I never heard about that. Next week you're at the, you're at the till somewhere and you're having to do something different to, to fit in or comply with what, where technology is going. And I wonder how much choice we will have. How much choice we'll have. Well, here's a sobering, here's, I was thinking about this. Here's a, here's a sobering statement. There's some very, very big companies out there in the world today, tech companies. 
and I'm not going to mention them by name. You can probably think of them. But they're creating products designed to be seductive. And world governments are being seduced into adapting to use these products instead of the other way around. Instead of these products being adapted to the law, legal laws and governance, they're, be, they're very seductive. Does anyone here know how seductive technology is? And everyone's like, well, we better get on the bandwagon here. We better use this because if we don't do it, someone else is going to use it. And I was reading an article this week, and one commentator said that humanity is at a crossroads. And the rules that are set up now or those that are failed to be set up will determine the course of the future and direction that society moves in. That's, that's quite a statement. So we don't know who's... Well, we do know who's in, in control. We know what's behind it. We know the three spirits, the spirit of God, the spirit of man, and the spirit of the Antichrist. But, so we know what's going on. But um, whenever we abandon godly foundations, it always ends up in destruction and chaos. No matter what sphere of life that is, including, that includes religion. And whatever, ma whatever men come up with. And so I'm saying this morning, now... And we say this all the time, now is the time, now is the time, but now is the time to get ready to testify to the one and only sure foundation that exists. Okay, there's only one sure foundation. It's an eternal foundation. It's an unfailing foundation. And it's the foundation of our Lord Jesus Christ that we build on, the cornerstone. And that is what um, we've got to build on. So um, when we talk about living life in the Spirit, Everything is done off of, a, off of this foundation. And um, we have to exercise the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is where the church, I believe, is going to, there's going to be a change um, in the church because the Spirit of God is the Spirit, is, is one of, as I said, one of another two spirits. There's the Spirit of man and the Spirit of the Antichrist. Amen. And we need the Spirit of God to be able to confront and overcome and be victorious over these other spirits that are invasive and that are present on the earth. Amen. And the thing is, I see that there, because of, um, because of uh, fear, there's that word, because of fear, because of confusion as to what's really happening, many people don't confront ideologies that come knocking at their door. Has anyone had someone come knocking at their door before and tried to present something to you, a different ideology or something like that? And so there's a lot of people that don't know how to confront that. Amen? But we have to take a stand. And these days, it takes a lot of boldness and courage to do that because these days you get socially punished or punished on social media if you take a stand. But we have to stand. Amen. We have to stand. We need to stand in the power of the Holy Spirit. That he, he, uh, amen. And so that's what we need to do. Everything, every, you know, we're living life in the Spirit. We're here for a purpose to reconnect people with their spiritual root, roots. Every, everything came originally emanated from God himself. He created it. Everything he created. He was created creator of all and over all. Amen. 
And it's our task to help people reconnect with God. Okay? Now, I just, I'm going to say this, that we can't do that on, by ourselves. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. And religion these days, in all its different guises and disguises, leads people into serving th- dead religion. Um, I heard one word, mute idols. Gods that don't speak back. I mean, a lot of people are looking for an answer. They're looking for an answer. They're looking for something to speak back to them. And, I, and, and this is where I want to use this wee story. There's a, there was a man called Dr. Paul Yonggi Cho. Has anyone ever heard of him? From the Yoido Full Gospel Church in, in Seoul, Korea. And um, this man was diagnosed with tuber- terminal tuberculosis when he was 18 years old. All right? He was given three months to live. And um, he was sent home by the doctors, and uh, he was, a, he was a, I say, a devout Buddhist. So he put the calendar up on the side of his bed, and he's got these three months there worth of calendar, I guess, on the side of his bed. And he prays to Buddha every day well, to, to help him get better and, and live, all right? Every day he would pray, and nothing would happen. In fact, he would just get weaker and weaker and weaker, all right? And so one day, or sh- uh, one day something, or, or should I say someone, compelled him to pray a different prayer. Who do you think that someone was? I believe it was the Holy Spirit compelled him to pray different. So he prays, he prays, oh, unknown God. He prays to the unknown God. If you exist, please help me. If you will give me my life back, I promise that I will serve you and I'll spend the rest of my days with you helping other people. So at that particular moment in time, he doesn't know who the unknown God is, okay? But something inside him is reaching out for truth. Something is in there, hey, and it's reaching out for truth. And I like to say this about truth. Truth might not be in your grasp, but it's within your reach. There's, truth is always within everybody's reach. I truly believe that. And what you hold in your hand right now may be your truth. It might be your reality. But there is a truth available that is eternal. And it's, it's available to us to take a hold of. And I want to read this in Romans chapter 1 from verse 18. Do you have your Bibles with you today? Praise God. Do you want to open them up to Romans chapter 1? Used to hear the rustling of paper. <laughs> now you hear tick, 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 tick. Let's go from verse, verse, uh, oh, verse 18. God shows his anger from heaven against sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything that God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, 
they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols that were made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with one another's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a, a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who's worthy of eternal praise. Amen? Yes. See, God's truth is revealed to all men, but it's the nature of man to suppress that truth. It's the nature of man to suppress the truth of God. We want to ignore it for as long as possible because we just, we, we, this is how I live my life, whatever that, in whatever way that may be. And these verses tell us that the evidence of God is clear to see throughout creation. And you just have to take a walk through Ayrshire and any place, and you're, going to be in a, you're going to be in God's country. I'm, I'm sure America and play, I'm sure there's other places that are beautiful too, but you see God's creation and how beautiful it is. And so people chose not to recognize God or to glorify him, and they are most unthankful towards him. So what did they choose? They chose their own wisdom, yeah? Verse 25 says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. For a lie. You see, living life in the Spirit is not a passive state of being. It's based on the truth. And it's based on not just praying and trusting in God, but it's based on going out and being determined. And a lot of us, and a lot of us grew up, we, you're taught just pray and trust in God, but the, but the propelling power of the Holy Spirit takes you from prayer and trusting in God to another level where you begin to step out in the Holy Ghost and you begin to do the things that he has asked you to do. Amen? The Holy Spirit was given to us as a gift. And the Holy Spirit is with us to deliver the gospel message to people who are not aware of the God of the Bible. I'm going to come back to um, Paul Yonggi Cho just now. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit, Spirit within us, the believer, helps us to clearly state the truth to those who don't have the truth. To, to convey the truth, we need the truth inside of us and we need the truth giver and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to communicate truth. So what happened with Yonggi Cho? A young girl from a local high school begins to turn up at his house at three o'clock every day. And she first comes and says, I am so-and-so. I don't know what the connection was. And um, she began to evangelize him. And at first, he kind of listened to her for a while, and then he politely rejected her. He says, listen, I'm a good Buddhist, and I'm, I'm terminally ill, and I'm going to die, so goodbye. Thanks for stopping by. And so she goes away, but she comes back the next day, around about the same time. She's determined, determined to carry on and keep on telling Yonggi Cho about Jesus about his birth, the virgin birth, his life, the cross, the resurrection, this, everything, and tell him that you can be saved by believing in Jesus Christ and accepting his forgiveness. Amen? So she's determined. 
So he, he says, you know, when she left the first few days, I'm glad she's gone because this is starting to, to like get to me. And she kept on going. Eventually, he did. He lost patience with her. And he, he says, listen, leave me alone so I can die in peace. At that very moment when he said that, this girl got down on her knees in his house and she began to cry and she began to pray over him and she began to say, God, he doesn't know what he's saying. He's sick. He doesn't know. Help him to believe these type of prayer. You know, he needs forgiveness. And so at that very moment, Yonggi Cho's spirit is touched very deeply. He said it was, it was the most profound thing this girl, the propelling power of the Holy Spirit in her, at that moment, the Holy Spirit says, get on your knees and pray when you're with him. And so, Yonggi Cho is saying, why would someone come here who's, a, who's kind of a stranger, get down on their knees, cry in my house, and pray to God over me, and why would they even be concerned about me? And then he asked the question, which I believe was the work of the Holy Spirit, could this girl's God be the God, the unknown God that I've been praying to? Could it be that this young girl, that her God is the God? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And it was in the days that fought. So anyway, he says, listen, stop crying. Um, for your sake, he says, stop crying. I'm going to become a Christian for your sake. All right. Anyway, her tears turn to tears of joy, and she leaves, but she gives him a Bible. He gets this big Bible. It's like her treasured possession, and, he, and because remember, they've just come out of a war, the Korean, you know, the conflict and everything. The country was completely destroyed and impoverished. She gives him the Bible. He begins, she begins to show him a few, but all he sees is genealogy, and he's like, what is this? I'm, I'm a Buddhist. We're very intellectual. We're logical. And she says, listen, just keep on reading it. Oh, perhaps don't read that bit with all the so-and-so beget, beget, beget. Go, go and read Matthew. So, and anyway, so over the next few days, he's still in a terrible condition physically and emotionally, but he kept on reading the Word. The Holy Spirit is working. And one day, he kneels down and he asks God to forgive him. And he opens up his heart, and he asks Jesus into his life. And then those pages on the calendar next to his bed, three months go by, six months go by. He's completely, he was completely healed of terminal tuberculosis. Amen. And he goes on to be the pastor of the largest church in, in, in South Korea. Um, amen, Yonggi Cho. And you can... You can you can get his book. There's a book called The Fourth Dimension, and it's a wonderful book. This young girl, whoever she was, was determined to reach a sick Buddhist. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, she exhibited the same anointing that was on Christ. Why? For this reason I have come. For this reason I have come, to preach the gospel to the poor. Yes. Amen. Not only the poor in spirit, but Yonggi Cho was working multiple jobs a day to bring money into his family's home. I will preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. Yonggi Cho cried out, why me, Lord? Why me at my age, 18 years old, terminal tuberculosis at 18? Why me? 
brokenhearted, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, captive to a disease called tuberculosis. Amen. Recovery of sight to the blind. He was spiritually blind and caught up in Buddhism. Recovery of sight to those who have the scales over their eyes and to set at liberty them that are bruised. He was so physically exhausted and poorly that he felt like he wanted to give up and die. But this young girl appears at his door, propelled by the power of the Holy Spirit. She lived her life in the Spirit. That was evident. And she came and she reached this man. You know, it's not our job to convince someone of the reality of God. It's the Holy Spirit's job within us to convince. Even the most gifted apologists, preachers, evangelists, and ministers, it's the Holy Spirit at work. Every Christian in this room, it's the Holy Spirit at work. It's not you. It's not me. It's not us. It's the Holy Spirit. And you know what? This kind of Buddhism, um, Daniel would back me up on this, in Korea and Japan, the Buddhism is different to elsewhere in Southeast Asia. It's very philosophical, very intellectual. The Holy Spirit picked the lock of Buddhism and walked right in to Yonggi Cho's heart and caused him to give his life over. And when we embrace life in the Spirit, and when we form a close bond the bond that is required, really, for us to have live life in the Spirit every day. We, you know, if we grieve the Spirit, the Spirit is a person, a sensitive person. And, you know, it's like the closeness that I have with my wife. If I grieve her, you know, then, you know, sometimes we don't want, she maybe not want to be in the same room as me for a few days. And the Holy Spirit says sometimes, why, why does my Christianity feel cold? Why does my Christianity feel dead? We, we must get into living life in the Spirit. And how do, we, how do we get into that intimacy with the Spirit? By, not only by being in the Word and praying and cultivating that, but by worshiping and being open and most of all being obedient. Most of all, being obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is very gentle. He will never force you. He'll never force us. And if we feel that fellowship is broken, it's because somehow something in our lives is grieving the Holy Spirit. And I believe that if we ask, he will show us what that is. Amen? Amen? Other affections creep in. 2 Corinthians 6.12, your lives are not small, but you're living your lives in small ways, restricted by other affections. And I want to exhort you with this as we kind of bring this message to an end. Determination is really needed. We can have all, we can, we can, we can wax lyrical about everything, but we need an inner determination and a desire we talked last week about the, those people that had a different spirit. They never settled for, they wanted the, the whole thing. Lord, you promised us a place to go and live, a promised land. We are going there. We are determined to go there. And so those with a different spirit possess more than just the ability to pray, more than just the ability to trust the Lord. And that is a good thing. Don't ever lose that. But they feel a compulsion 
an irresistible urge to behave in a certain way, like this young girl had a compulsion to go to Yonggi Cho and behave in a certain way. And that is the thing, the overwhelming need to act out what the Holy Spirit has put in your heart. We can pray all day long and never step over the threshold of this building and it will do no earthly good. We need to be determined. We need to, we, determined means to have a firmness of purpose in your life and to obey. And we don't obey out of, the, out of fear, but obey out of love. Obey, be, obey out of love for the Lord. Obey out of reverence for the Holy Spirit. You know, this message this morning is only going to speak to life into the, the hearts of the people whose hearts are open for it. I just want to say that because I feel that right now. This message is only going to speak to you if you're opening, if you're open. It's only if you're open. And every, you know what? Um, you will be attacked in your thought life, even in church. And this message is for people. And I believe that there's a turnaround coming, a big turnaround, a big turnaround coming in our mindsets. Something is going to provide the ignition. The Holy Spirit is going to ignite you. And, and it's like the book of Acts said it was tongues of fire. The fire that you'll feel is a fire that purifies, that, that, that burns out the stuff that shouldn't be there. And after something, after you've been ignited, I'm, a, I'm an engineer, I'm a mechanic. You give me an engine, a combustion engine, I'll sit happily all day with a cup of tea and a biscuit looking at it. I love them, love them. But once something has been ignited, the next step is propulsion. It begins to move. So the, 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 the fire of the Holy Spirit is to move us. It's to propel us and to get us out. And the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. There's nine gifts. This is what the message was supposed to be about. The power gifts, the revelation gifts, the inspiration gifts. But I believe that as we look at the gifts, be ready to receive the gift the Holy Spirit has for you. Amen. And they exist for many reasons, but principally the gifts exist for us to evidence God's power against the powers of darkness and to minister to people setting them free. So you can be agnostic, agnostic, a Buddhist, a Hindu, whatever the case may be, I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to pick that lock and he's going to do that. And as, as we desire the gifts, as we desire to live life in the Spirit, then we're going to see, you're going to be filled. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. We're going to be filled. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.